going to dive in for the next few moments into John chapter 11. Uh, and then we're going to hit up a little bit of Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, but this is a story commonly known uh, as the death and rising again of a man named Lazarus. Uh, and there is a bunch of different points that could be made in this story. Uh, some that have incredible theological bounds to them that are amazing. We're going to hit just on one point this morning. Uh, we're going to hit on the one point this morning uh, that what we have in common with Lazarus uh, is that we are dead without Jesus. Uh, so as we lean into that truth, this is what the scripture says starting in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha said to Jesus, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. We're going to squeak down to verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Friends, this morning I believe that the living God wants to speak to us through this passage in the scripture. Wants to reveal to us as a community together that without Jesus, you and I are just like Lazarus, dead. But Jesus wants to make us fully alive again in his presence. And as we lean into the truth of this scripture, I would love if we could just pray again. Jesus, we love you. Uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that as we read your word, it reads us. We thank you for the amazing gift that you have blessed us with your word. Uh, we come to it now and we ask that you would speak to us. We ask that you would give us divine revelation of who you are. We ask that, Father God, you would draw us to yourself this morning. That, Holy Spirit, you would move in us, that we would receive the truth of who you are. That you would posture our hearts in such a way right here and right now that we would receive you. And that we would be made fully alive in you. We love you and it's in your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said. Amen. Amen. Uh, there seems to be this sweeping lie or common misconception uh, that a life that is with Jesus and that what Jesus can offer us is only found later in the heavenly places. That for far too long in the Christian life there's this false narrative that if we believe Jesus hard enough, we don't mess up too badly, then boomtown. Of one day after this one, from this life, we will be greeted with floating angels in the heavenly places with harps playing and spend eternity with a God who we don't know that well. And some of that narrative might be true to an extent. 
But if we only believe in a heaven later and not in the indwelling glory of the living God here and now within us, then how purposeless is this life? How meaningless is this life? And how void is it of the power of the gospel that changes absolutely everything? Like if we chalk all of this up to a good story about a heaven later, and that is the narrative that we put all of our life in, then friends, we're selling ourselves short. We're selling ourselves short and we are denying the awesome life that Jesus has for you and I and the whosoever right here and right now. That this resurrection and life that Jesus can bring to us can swell up in us and make us alive today. That we could be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit today. That we could experience tangibly the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and invading our hearts today. That we could be made whole and new and declare that sin, shame, and bondage, the addictions, the hurting, the pain, the death and brokenness of humanity when given over to Jesus can be healed, can be made whole. Not later on in this life, but today, right here and right now. And that's why this passage that we just read is so incredible. That's why this truth of Lazarus rising again by the powerful presence of Jesus is so incredible. But what we will discover this morning as we unpack together this passage is that in order for that to happen, it's going to get smelly. It's going to get real smelly. It's going to be a real stinky, sinful situation. Because it's our sin, it stinks. Because the death is the only way to life. Look what it says in verse 17 and 19. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So right off the bat, no way around it. Our boy Lazarus is dead and a crowd of people have come to console his sisters and his friends. Don't let that pass you by. Lazarus is tangibly actually dead. He has been in the tomb, not just for a few minutes, for four days. In verse 21 and 22, Jesus is greeted by Martha. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And right here, in this next verse, right here in this moment is where we see the true narrative the true narrative of the Christian life, the true narrative of Jesus come to life before our eyes. It is in this moment that the false narrative of our Christian living of being about only a heaven later and just holding on tight as we can until we get there absolutely falls flat. It is in this moment all of history is about to change forever. It is in this moment that you and I are invited to experience the life that God created for us here and now. Jesus responds, verse 25, I am the resurrection, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying, don't get it twisted. I have come to take the narrative of death and turn it into a narrative of life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So that means victory of death is no longer. The curse of sin is over, not later, but in the already not yet story of humanity's redemption by the cross of Jesus Christ. But the question is, just like Jesus asked Martha in this moment, do you believe this? Do you and I tangibly believe this? 
Do you believe that I am the living God come to bring life today? Not for heaven later. Not for a meaningless and purposeless existence now, just holding on tightly, hoping that one day we will exalt ourselves into the clouds of heaven. No. For the kingdom and righteousness of God right here and right now to burst into our hearts. Do we believe this? If we do, Jesus promises that we will see the glory of God. But remember, in order for that to happen, it's going to get smelly. The stink of our sin has to be shown and has to be known. And the smell of death, it's ripe. And the smell of our sinful nature, it's stanky. It's stanky. Look what it says in verse 38 and 39. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. You ever cook with a crock pot before? A crock pot might be the worst invention in all of humanity. Like, I despise crock pots. I, like, it's literally the worst invention on planet Earth. It's just this hot mess of food bubbling up in your house all day long. Like, filling every nook and cranny, including your pillowcase, with that smell that whatever it is you're cooking, like, even if you close the door tight as you can, that bad boy's seeping through the floorboards. Like, it is the worst. The other day, Alyssa and I we were cooking in a crock pot. And no lie, I asked Alyssa, can we put this thing outside? So I got an extension cord, ran it as far away from my house as we could. And I literally plugged it in and it was like, no, in the name of Jesus, this snow will not invade our house. Like if somebody like comes over and just cracks open, you're like, oh my gosh, what does that smell like crock pot? The absolute worst invention in all of humanity. But verse 39, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. It's going to smell real bad if you crack that tomb open. It's going to smell real bad. But what's Martha saying here? What's under the surface of her statement? Jesus is about to bring her friend back to life. Jesus is about to bring her brother back to life. Jesus is about to do something miraculous. Jesus is about to do something that's so unexplainable. The only way that it could ever be explained is by the power of the living God. And all Martha can think about in this moment is, whoa, 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 whoa. no, 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 no. It's going to smell. It's going to smell if you open it. Jesus, what, what, what are you going to do? But what's underneath the surface of that statement? Jesus, what if you can't? Jesus, what if you open it and he's still dead? Jesus, what if, what if you can't do it? Then it's going to smell real bad. And I'm going to be embarrassed by this smelly situation. This crowd of people around me, these are my friends. I, I live in this city. If you crack it open and it smells, that odor is going to embarrass me. What, what if you can't do it? What if you aren't who you say you are? What if you can't, Jesus? And he's still dead. And this smelly situation embarrasses my life. You know, I think you and I do that all the time in our lives. I think you and I do that all the time in our lives. 
That Jesus wants to do something miraculous. Jesus wants to take the death in us, the sin in us, that addiction that is killing us, that sinful habit that is destroying your marriage or your friendships, that brokenness, that anxiety, that loneliness, those doubts, that hurt, that pain, that sin. Jesus wants to heal what has been done to you. Jesus wants to bring joy into that sadness, peace into the chaos, redemption to the real raw moments of your story. Jesus wants to do the miraculous. We are far too concerned that it might expose our brokenness. We are far too concerned that what if the smell of our lives get out? What if all of this masking and pretending actually makes its way to the surface? What if the cracks show? What if the cracks of our lives come out? And what we keep pushing to the front is actually all pretend. But what if we really need is to come from death to life? But that means that the real raw reality of my sin and your sin has to be seen and known so that the Savior can save and the Maker can make whole. So that He can call us from death to life again. So that the stone that seals shut our real lives can be broken open. Even if the smell of death and sin gets out. Because Jesus, oh, He wants to heal and set free and forgive and redeem. He wants to exchange the death and sin in us for life. But we must let Him. We must allow him to call us out just like Lazarus in this story. Verse 41, so they took the stone. So they took the stone regardless of the smell because Jesus has life in his hands. And the Bible records, verse 43, with a loud voice, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. The man who had been dead for four days because of the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus, the glory and goodness of the living God is alive again. Don't let that pass us by. Don't let that just be a fairy tale moment. This is the power of the gospel that takes dead people and makes them alive again. But the stone had to be moved. The smell had to get out. Because Jesus was bringing what is dead in us alive again. I want to encourage us this morning. That maybe if we are willing to not hide our brokenness, maybe if we're willing to not hide our sin or hide our pain, maybe if we're willing to let the real smell of our lives get out, it allows Jesus to go to work on the miracle that he wants to do in our lives. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Jesus is telling us in this moment, don't you see? I came so that whatever smelly situation you find yourself in, I can work in it. I can bring it from death to life. If you will give it to me, I can use it for your good and my glory. I can exchange the death and sin in you for life and flourishing forevermore. That in our willingness to declare brokenness and confess sin could be the very thing that Jesus uses to release miracles in our lives and the lives of those around us. That if the church will stop hiding all of its bad moments, stop pretending to be perfect, Stop masking our smell and openly and willingly declare as the people of God, Jesus, we are dead without you. Come and do a miracle in us. Come and make us alive again. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, our willingness to confess sin, our willingness to live in the light, our willingness to not hide the smell and the brokenness and the pain, people start to notice. They start to notice that a life that was once marked with death is now marked with life. That we thought there was going to be a bad smell, but now that it's a miracle at work. What's that smell? Man, do you, do you smell that? Oh, that's just Jesus doing a miracle in my life. Oh, you smell that? Yeah, 
That's just Jesus taking the sin in me and making me alive again. That's just Jesus refining all that I am. Oh, you smell that? That's just the smell of my sin being reconciled in the glory and grace and goodness of the Savior. You see, because what you and I have in common with Lazarus is that we are dead without Jesus. Our death for the moment might be more spiritual than physical. But make no mistake, without Jesus, you and I are just like Lazarus, dead and in need of rising again. That's the severity of our condition. That's the severity of humanity, but that's also what makes the good news so good. That's also what makes the gospel change absolutely everything is because the God-man, Jesus, he desires, just like in this story of Lazarus, to call our name, to call us from death to life again. But I understand what you could be thinking in this moment. Why did Lazarus even have to die? Like if God is so good and so loving, why did any of that actually have to happen? If God is so loving and so good like you claim, why do bad things happen? Why is there even brokenness, sin, and death? And we commonly misunderstand that suffering is brought forth by God. Or that Lazarus died for the sole sake for God to do just a fun miracle that he wanted to do. No, 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 no. Sin has shattered humanity, and we are in need of a Savior. The Lord God who loves you, oh, he does not make a mockery of your life for the sake of his glory. Never. He is perfect in love. He is perfect in nature. He always desires life for us. He always desires flourishing for us. The Lord God who loves us always wants what is bet for us and is at work for our good and his glory. Why? Because Jesus hates death. Jesus hates death. That's why he came with life in his hands. Yeah, hard moments will come. Yes, Lazarus did die. Yes, sin wrecks the soul and damages this hurting world. But in the midst of it all, God declares, you will see my glory. You will see the goodness of who I am. But make no mistake, it is not me who is causing the pain and the suffering. My perfect love has come to eradicate it. And to declare that truth to us, there's this amazing passage in Isaiah 43 of the Lord God declaring over humanity why that is true. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, he who formed you, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Look what verse 1 says in that passage. Fear not, for I have redeemed you and called you by name. You are mine. Right away, God declares his allegiance to us, declares his love for us. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. But hold on. Look what it says. Look what the scripture says. Does it say that it's all going to be easy? Does it say that bad stuff isn't going to happen? That it's all going to be smooth? That Lazarus isn't going to die? That my sin or your sin and the enemy at large wants to steal, kill, and destroy? And that we can get through this life just fine without a Savior? Does it say that? No, none of that. God is absolutely clear that life is rough sometimes, but God is absolutely clear that it's not because of him. No, he loves us. He wants flourishing for us. How do we know? When you pass through the waters, 
when it gets rough? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. When it feels like you can't take it anymore, look what God says. I will be with you. And through the rivers, when it's raging, when it doesn't go as you hope, what if the smell of my life gets out when life is drifting? Look what God says. I will be with you. When you walk through fire, meaning there is going to be fire, when it's so hot that you can't handle it, look what God says. I will be with you. How do we know for sure? Next verse, for I am the Lord your God, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Because I am the Lord your God, your Savior, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Do not be fooled that the sin in your life changes the truth of who you are to the Lord God. You are precious in his eyes. You are honored, and he loves you. You are the beloved, but do not be fooled. The sin, it will only lead to death. It does every single time. The smelly situation, the stench of our sin and brokenness, if we will not bring it into the light and confess and let the living God who called Lazarus from death to life call us from death to life, it will not go away and there will be no hope of rescue or redemption. But if we will give it to Jesus, if we will bring it to Jesus and allow him to call us out of it, Jesus can and will make our hearts whole. Jesus can and will heal the brokenness, eradicate the sin, and make our hearts burst with the heaven that is here now as his kingdom comes to earth. Because Jesus wants to set us free from our sin. Jesus wants to take the death in us and make us alive again. Redemption to the real and raw moments of your story. Jesus wants to do the miraculous, so do not be so concerned that it might expose your brokenness. Because it is in our brokenness that the living God absolutely loves us. It is in our brokenness that the Savior can save. It is in our imperfection that the perfect God steps out of heaven and brings it to earth so that you and I would know that we are the beloved of the God who created us and loves us. Why? For he is the Lord our God, our Savior. We are precious in his eyes. We are honored and he loves us. Could you imagine a community that believed that? Could you imagine an imperfect community that wasn't afraid anymore to show their brokenness and confess their sin? Could you imagine a community that shared the real stuff of life, that laughed together, that cried together? Could you imagine a community that didn't judge someone at a certain part of their story, but instead journeyed with them through it? Could you imagine a community not afraid of the smell? So just crack it open. It's not going to be worse than mine. There's no need to hide from perfect love. Why? For he is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus says to us, did I not tell you? Oh, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God.